This is the Ulster Rugby Roundup Show, part of the Three Bod Rugby Group. Welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup Show. With myself, Nigel Quigley, and Dave the Wingnut, topping. Yeah. And oh, look, there's Paul Handley from Rugby Six. How you doing, Paul? How you doing? You okay? Paul's our fan and five today. He's going to be explaining a bit about Rugby Six, his background, what he's up to, what he, why he's doing it. And it's very interesting stuff, so uh, please pay attention, folks. So, Dave, how are you doing, mate? Uh, do you know what I'm saying? After watching uh, that nightmare at the weekend uh, and then the other nightmare on Monday with uh, uh, more poor discipline than a uh, than a, a, a school, it, just been, it's been a nightmare a couple of days for us. A five-point win, though. We'll take it. You know. We'll take it. And tonight, we also have two fantastic guests coming on. We've got uh, two uh, Premiership title winners and Heineken Cup winners to 2020. Gareth Steenson Witten. So we're really looking forward to having a chat with those guys. And uh, the show tonight is partnering with K Nato Nacko Biltong and HIT website design. So please support these local businesses, local feel, local chat guys. Paul, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in rugby. Sure, sure. Well, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm registered visually uh, impaired, so I. I I now play for the Harlequins visually impaired team. Um, you know, it, it, it's been uh, it's been going on for about a year now, um, despite the pandemic. It's you know we've we've managed to get uh, a, a good amount of training sessions together. We we did a tournament uh, back in March with uh, full sighted players, um, and yeah, it's just been absolutely belting. It's been the best best experience ever. It's it's always been a regret of mine that I, I never continued rugby and then my my eyes failed me probably about 14 15 years ago I got the diagnosis um so yeah it, it's for me the last year and a half two years it, it's, it's it's literally been a dream come true um you know we're we're, we're we're looking to the future there's loads of really exciting stuff planned um you know, I, I can tell you a lot more about that Fantastic. Um, rugby six, six rugby, sorry, six rugby. Explain to the viewers what that is and what that's about, and your your role within it. Well, I, I, I actually play for a visually impaired team, uh, and it's a sevens sevens team. It's seven seven side format. Um, so we, yeah, generally it is a, a touch rugby. Uh, we're all visually impaired of, of some kind. There's there's different. Uh, different aspects of that, and we've all got different sight loss issues. Um, but you know, it, 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 for me and for a lot of the guys on the team, it's it's just a great chance to reignite, you know, our passions, our our dreams that that have been taken away from us, really. So, um, you know, it, and I mean the the mates that I've I've made through this visually impaired journey and. You know, um, you know what we're doing right now. What we're doing throughout pandemic. I mean, we've, we've been Zoom calling, we're, we're WhatsApping, we've you know the bands are flying around, and you know it's just it's a great thing to be to be involved with. Right, your company. Yes. Tell us about your company. 
Okay, so I'm. I, well, because then <laughs> Ulster fans won't, won't understand it otherwise. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, seriously, who who would really, really employ a uh, visually impaired website designer? Um, maybe I need to start with my my condition first, um, and that's literally I've got no peripheral. So if you like, right now I'm in front of my screen. You know, this is where I work every day. My vision loss is affected kind of sideways and upwards, downwards. So I'm like that, which is great because I can see my screen. So, so the work that I do on screen on, on a PC, it, you know, the sight loss has, has not affected that in any way. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, look, it, going back 12, 13 years ago, I, you know, I was told that I can't drive anymore. I was told that I've got this condition and, you know, my life kind of, crashed really a little bit you know you, you you're really really crushed by this but you know um i i said to big joe earlier that you, you've got to try and find chinks of light in life and, and probably more so right now these days than, than any other time and you know i i i could have taken it as a negative back then but no um positive retrained um i started off doing um search engine optimization uh copywriting um that then progressed to social media marketing and finally website design. Uh, so the company uh, hits website design. Basically, we, we encompass everything that you know you, you really need um, in the online world. So yeah, we, we start with the, the website. Um, we build lovely, responsive websites. Uh, they're search engine optimized. So you know uh, the aim is top of Google search results. Um, Every single client that I've got has at least one page one, if not position one ranking, which is fantastic. That's great for them. And then we follow up with social media marketing and social media advertising as well. So but again, my vision impairment kind of dictated what I was going to do next. And like I say, let's let's get a positive, find the positives and everything in. Yeah, so it's, you, cer it's you, cer you, cer you certainly did that, mate, without a doubt. And your whole demeanor and your whole the way you speak and the way you put it forward, it's just you just ooze positivity, frankly. It's fantastic, yeah. absolutely yeah, fantastic. It's great to see, uh, David. Well, um, I believe, Paul, if I'm not mistaken, you're doing a wee bit of fundraising at the minute. Um, could you give us a, a wee bit of a shout about uh, what, what you're adding, what, what you're doing with that at the minute? Yeah, yeah, um. It's hurting. Put it that way. Put it that way. It's, uh, um, I, I'd like to think this. This essentially started with me back in um, back in March. Um, first lockdown, a bit of a nightmare. We we should have been training. Um, obviously, I, I I play for EI Harlequins. We're we're based in Twickenham or or thereabouts. So it's a bit of a commute, you know, for training. Any uh, skilling over to Twickenham, but. Um, you know, it's, it's it's all good. So in in March, when um, when we couldn't train, I decided to get on my exercise bike and cycle the distance from Enniskillen to Twickenham. Um, so that was good. That that was a, a, a that was a hard slog, but it was mm -hmm. great that you know there's a fair bit of money raised, and you know it, it made me feel great about myself. Um, now in in May. Uh, as a team, we were meant to play um, in McKinley's um, Treviso, and we were going to play half-time 
And I think we were going to play uh, the unbenched players of Treviso, which would have been bloody epic. It, you know, I mean, that, that would have been pretty good. So as a team, we, we formed our first challenge in, in May and we did Twickenham to Treviso. And, and that was brilliant. I mean, that was really, really good. Um, I'll be honest, I'm, I was itching to, to do something. And because of the work that I do, I work from home. And it's just too easy to carry on working away when you really should be putting a shift in on the bike. So I was really, really desperate for another challenge. Um, lots of internationals came along and uh, one of the lads suggested uh, twerking into Georgia and back again. Um, that's a total of 8,000 kilometres. And we started uh, two Fridays ago. Um, I think, well, two Fridays uh coming and yeah we i think looking at the the whatsapp group i think we're about we've probably done it but if not we're about 100 kilometers away from um georgia at the moment so we're bang on target for where we need to be um the lads are putting in some some amazing ships at the moment so yeah it's it's been brilliant um there's a little bit of uh competition going on amongst us all but <laughs> you know, it, it's fab. It's it's great, and yeah, as well as the fitness, we're we're looking to get back to Twickenham for the twelfth of December, which um, technically should be our first training session since February. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be so rewarding to to do the challenge number one, but to finish up virtually in Twickenham, but then actually in Twickenham, you know, for the training, which would be I can't wait. I, I'll be honest, we are. It's already been planned, and I might have instigated it, but we are definitely going for beers after the uh, after the training. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, can't wait, can't wait. Well, we could really do it. Uh, well, I know we're going to stick up the, the the fundraising link in here uh, for everyone to, to have a look at, and uh, and certainly just for the comments coming in there. Uh, obviously, Gregor's saying fair play for what you're doing uh, with the fundraising, and uh, uh, Hayden Alan Burko, hello Hayden, how are you? Uh, amazing effort. He, he's my um, bestie. He's allowed that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm being a man myself. I I will certainly give you big props for that one, Paul. Uh, you know, Thank you. Uh, it it makes it it makes a commute from uh, from Kingston to Skellen look like wee buns. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, um, Paul. Thanks very much for sharing that with us. It's a very inspirational story. And I say, you just exuded it. You see it just coming out of you, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's changed my life, mate. It's, yeah, it, it really fantastic. has given me such a positive outlook. Can I, can I just say very quickly, I, I mean, uh, I know that there's a whole load of stuff that I'd love to talk about, but the most important, I think, at the moment, um, especially for this audience, is um, the IRFU are um, getting involved in visually impaired rugby. Um, and at the moment, I think on the Facebook page, uh, I argue they are, uh, they, they've got a survey there. So just scroll down the page, you will find it. And, you know, if you are visually impaired, living in Ireland, Northern Ireland, or even if you know someone that's visually impaired, um, you know, please get them to fill out the survey. You know, it, it may lead to something like this. It may lead to, you know, just, for me, it's the best thing. I can't wait to get back to my lads. I can't wait to get in again. And, you know, if, if just one other person in Ireland, Northern Ireland, can experience that, then brilliant. 
you know so if, if you can put that link on in in the comments as well that would be brilliant oh joe's in the back room there you go joe let's have that one too paul thank you very much for explaining that and uh personally i hope we speak to you again i'd love to get some update on where you're going in the future actually you know because very interesting and it's great to see something like that grow because it grows the game it makes it more inclusive and allows people a way back into the game doesn't it so i think it's i think it's brilliant man thanks very much for sharing yeah. paul, thank you very much and, uh, my, my really appreciate your time man thank, thank you much right now we've got two gentlemen who are I, I'm reliably informed well fed so should be in good form and uh, if Joe would like to bring them on board we have Gareth Steenson and Ian Whitten how you doing? how you doing? how you going? very well brilliant, very to, see brilliant to see you hey, I tell you what you, you must be two happy guys I know I know all of Ulster were happy for you I mean, I tell you what I've got. I've got to say it. The thing that sticks with me was the look on your face. Uh, you were standing on your own for a while. Uh, it was just the look on your face was it was priceless, mate. Loved it. <laughs> you know, after the yeah, game, after the prem final, whenever I was yeah. crying in the middle of Twickenham, yeah, uh, yeah, that was a realization. Um, it was more a realization that was <laughs> finished. Uh, it was actually at the. Uh, I remember looking up at the uh, big screens at Twickenham at the top, and it just said uh, "Extra Chiefs Champions," and that that was just it caught me a little bit, and that was kind of the realization that everything that I'd ever wanted to achieve with the club uh, had happened, and uh, yeah, and, and there was no one that I wasn't going to put the jersey on again. So it was kind of a mix of emotions, but it also yeah. the right way. What what a way to finish the way! Eh? Just getting all those. I mean, you get everything, all the boxes ticked in the very last season. That's just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it is like you know ones that said to me about a fairy tale and all that it is a bit of a fairy tale like um you know it's almost like the guys are back in training at the minute i generally don't have the desire to train with them i'm not gonna lie because <laughs> like people have said to me you've completed club rugby you know i, I was fortunate to win the championship lv cups uh premierships hanging cups there isn't anything i could do in a, in a club jersey more so uh yeah i'm pretty happy and I'm sure Ian's got a few more he's going to try to win on, on route, but, you know, I'm pretty happy with mine. I would say you are. I would say you are. And Ian gets to go and do it all again this season. And a uh, pretty good start, mind you, wasn't it? Uh, well, I'd be a bit younger than Gareth, although I don't look it. You couldn't tell it, though. You couldn't tell it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to, to go again with the boys. Obviously, very exciting group of players to play with. Um, and we showed there last year that we're capable of winning trophies so you know hopefully there's a couple of years left in the legs yet um, oh, I get yeah. to get to have some more good experiences out in the pitch there with them um, Unbelievable season wasn't it last season for the Chiefs I mean just on all fronts I mean we know all that happened with a certain other team etc and that's that's all whatever but I mean it, it was totally deserved all of it I mean I think, uh, you know, if you look at the games over the season, and Europe speaks for itself, you've got to go and win that. There's no, you know, no, there's no easy holidays with this. That's the wife, that's the wife ringing him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Very embarrassed. They're all at home, they can all hear you. That's what it does. I'm going to turn it. Sorry, but that's that's extra fine in the into the pub. Absolutely, but I I mean, I think Europe. I mean, Europe. You can't cheat. You can't cheat your way through to Europe. There's no second. There's there's only one way through to Europe, and that's get through your group and then beat people and put them out, isn't it? You know, I mean, and it's as simple as that. Um, 
it was fantastic to watch. And I had a feeling, especially after the group stages, you, you really started to look like a serious contender. Oh, well, definitely the um, the, there was a big onus put on the the Heineken Cup uh, last year. Like we literally in sat in pre-season, we said we're going to target winning both. Um, we were sat down and uh, we have never really performed overly well or as well as we'd liked in the Heineken Cup. We'd only qualified once out of the the, the state the group stages, and um, the fact that we'd been in a you know that was four years in a row we'd been in Premiership finals and we hadn't actually done anything in the Heineken Cup and we looked at our group and targeted it a lot and um, you know with the first game away at La Rochelle gave us a lot of confidence so we really went after that game and mm. set us up really for it and then obviously with what happened with COVID and everything you know you, you were coming to get up against Saints in a in a home game um, and a game it's another Premiership club at home we'd like to think we'd be winning those games you know so and then you get to a semi-final and hopefully like the way it would be we ended up having the semi at home again so the the route was well mapped for us um but it still had to be done and the lads put in some serious performances to get the result well i think so i actually think uh rob baxter had this in mind the season before actually uh, um you know because you'd played really well the season before you know you were in the playoffs and uh, you know we shot you know i had a good shot and uh and then uh you know we we could see the building blocks of it and then transferring into the in, into the last into last season there you know and i say all the things put aside and even before covid you could actually say you know hold on here exeter have made a real good start to the season here that there's a good chance here if they transfer that form across then you you, you know you, you've got high hopes in and the high know and uh, but but i had noticed that in the season before um and i think it was um i think there were two games in particular one was was sale the other was bath and there were just you could just tell there were just little glimpses little it was just a, a shift in the mindset uh, and that's for me. I think that's where I I seen the start of. of I, I was never. I would never say things like that to these two no. guys, cause, Dave, because they were there. <laughs> no, but, you know, for, but from, and for me, as a, they, I mean, like, Exeter, Exeter have been building for a few years, haven't they, lads? I mean, it's just yeah, it's just got better and better, and it's it's it, last season. I mean, that's going to be some act to follow, isn't it? You just can't you can't bear that, can you? <laughs> you know, both titles in the same season. I think. We won the league in 2017. Mm-hmm. That was obviously, you know, the first time I'd won the Premiership, being the top club in England, the extra had ever been top club in England. That was that was such a big thing. But then, you know, a lot of the guys in the team, for whatever reason, that didn't play in that final, you know. And then after that, we've had a couple of years of pretty big disappointments. You know, we've been disappointed in Europe. And... We've lost those finals at the end of the year, the Saracens. Um, and there's just a few boys there that have been through enough disappointments that they were determined that this was going to be different this year, you know. And guys like, you know, Joe Simmons and, and Dave Ewers and boys like that, you know, they've been through a lot of disappointments to have this year, you know. And sometimes you need to go through those. And I think those boys had served their time and, and it's great. Great for guys like that that were finally were able to do it again. I'm going to drop one note in here that Joe put. This is for you, Steno. So I was talking about 
obviously reviewing last season. I don't get this one. You have to explain, this. especially Gareth being dragged from media interviews. What's that about? Oh uh, yeah, so that was literally um, on the BT Sport. Whenever I was pulled over to do an interview with uh, the guys from BT, um, it just happened to be the moment that we all the lads were literally celebrating, getting their photograph right. the trophy, and Jack Noel has come in and pulled me away from an interview. Which uh, yeah, it was it was a, a quite a cool little moment. Um, it was a nice moment for me as well because I could. I was trying to do the interview, but very aware that the guys were singing and chanting behind me. And I was kind of like, probably could have done this interview five minutes before or 10 minutes later. You know, it just was the wrong time. Pulling you in, and, and I could just, you could just hear, you know, the, the comments afterwards. You know, even the, um, I think uh, somebody threw it up on, on Twitter there recently just for the just for the crack of it and the 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 uh, I think it was just just the fact that they were taken on the words by it and here's their they were, they were I think it was Sarah Elgin actually I think was was taken on the words like oh okay you better go, you better go and celebrate Jack just yeah. oh no look, the guys the guys are are good at BT Sport to be fair to them like we have a bit of banter with them and all that sort of stuff they're good we just want to enjoy our time but uh, look. It was a bit of fun, and uh, I'm sure it was all taken in the right, the right light. Oh, you get it, Oculus, and you just, you just won the cup. You're going to get away with a lot of things on night like that, aren't you? And actually, I'm going to be embarrassingly admit something. See, as soon as you said about being pulled away, I actually remembered it. <laughs> but uh, I, do, I do remember. I probably had a few beers on board by that stage. <laughs> Not quite. As soon as you said it, I remembered it. Oh, yeah. We were in a mad rush to get back into the change room to have a couple, so. Oh, I, I, and Ian, you've got you've got to be very confident for this season. I mean, all, all first game aside, which was a fairly convincing win. I mean, it looks like you're maybe just going to kick on now and maybe try and just you know you don't drop from what you did last season because that's the pinnacle, isn't it? You've won both cups, but the, the team look fairly determined to just kick on now and, and keep that level. You know, quite often you see teams win like that, and then the next season they drop off quite a bit. It's almost suppose uh, anti-climax I suppose mm. it doesn't seem to be happening with uh, with the guys at the moment well I know I have to keep working hard it's, there's mm. no easy games in England and um, that's basically the challenge right there we know that we're capable of playing championship winning rugby but we know that that takes an awful lot of effort and you have to put it in not just every Saturday but all the, the training days leading up to that and all, you know, you've got to keep your focus and you've got to work hard, you've got to train hard um, to be able to deliver those results. So, yeah. you know, that's a challenge for the lads. You know, there can't be really any excuses about it. You know, there's no. there are a lot of excuses to say, you know, um, we've achieved a double, let's have a break. But, you know, that's not really maximising our potential there. Our potential is now that we can win championships as a team. So the challenge is you're only going to do that through hard work and we've got to keep at it. So yeah. let's yeah. see if we can do it or not. But there's certainly, I mean, hopefully the effort will be there and we'll be able to be in the mixer come next June. Mm-hmm. I think another big point that's going to really drive the boys is, and I'm sure it's been well documented, um, with the English team. Because a lot of our lads are a bit, you know, burning about that, should we say. And uh, when you look at the squads that are picked, you know, the fact that we've got the European Player of the Year, not in the England squad, we've got a, 
a captain of a double winning team that's not in an England squad and you look around their room and I think England took the field of the weekend and the two we had two players in it. So I know for an absolute fact that's a burning factor. And if you watch the performance from the other night, you've probably seen a fella scoring a hat trick and he sort of celebrated. We did. Right? So uh, <laughs> you know, there's definitely some burning desires, and I think there's a real, real, you know, and like a, a bur that burning sensation to go on and maybe prove a point to people. I don't know. It's always been in our DNA. It's definitely been in our DNA since I joined this club for 12 years. So yeah, it's, really, yeah. it's quite nice. I know we're seen as being the hunted a little bit, but there's still that kind of little bit under underlying that we can still show a bit more potentially yeah. for international rugby. And we didn't rehearse this, folks, but that's a fantastic link to something I'm going to discuss with these two guys now. Because <laughs> I want to talk to you a bit about Ulster rugby. Uh, and uh, obviously, your talk there, Stino, about the players not playing for the English team. There's a bit of an air of that with a lot of Ulster fans, rightly or wrongly. You know, I mean, a lot some of us parochial with with Ulster players and selections in Ireland and how the IRFU select their players. Um, you know, and you you guys play the game at the highest level. I never did. I was a club player. Um, I, I can't speak for Dave, but I think Dave was a club player as well. Oh, I, I didn't even get that. But, but, but I have to say, I have to say, we've watched rugby. I've watched rugby since I was 12 years old. And I don't know about anybody else, but I was screaming for somebody to put the ball in behind the rush defence of the English all day. And we didn't do it until 74 minutes. But it's not just that. I think it's, it's it's club form of players. And as far as excuses go, you're talking about earlier, Ian, leave that to fans. They can invent excuses you've never heard of before and regurgitate old ones all the time. Whether that's about a team, their team, another team, their player, another player. But it seems, what are your thoughts on, you know, your memories for a start from being part of the Ulster setup when you're in your youth? Firstly, having to go and play somewhere else for a start, which I think raised quite a few eyebrows at the time. I mean, I know I remember when you left and think, why are we letting these guys go? Because these, these guys are a future where, you know, and you actually, you know, you guys have shown that. You've gone off to another club in England and you've played at the highest level. And and, and I mean, non-Ulster rugby fans are even asking the question, why were these guys allowed to go? Or why were they not brought back into the Irish fold? Because these, these are top players. Um, and as I say, we've got the, the, then the Ulster thing, specifically now where players... The fans really feel at the minute a little disenfranchised, I suppose, because they don't seem to, you know, the team's performing quite well. But the players that seem to be shining the most don't seem to be really getting much of a look in. But is that because there's just too much competition? Are we being a little blinkered and, you know, rose tinted? What, what's your feelings on, on the selection processes? Given what you just said about uh, Chiefs and a couple of guys that, you know, I'm busy thinking, and we all think they probably should be in the English squad and playing. What do you think of back home in the RFU? What's the setup there? What's your thoughts on that? Gareth, I'll start with you. Well, to answer your question, really, the start of for me leaving, um, I didn't have an option of staying. Yeah. So it never was something I, I was very much told that, um, sorry, but Humph is going to stay on. That's how old I am. Uh, Humph is staying on, and Adam Larkin, these guys are still here. And I, that was quite hard for me to take at the time. I spent the, the next two, three years trying to get home and being told no, no, no. And then I've what but next thing I know, I'm a premiership rugby player. 
and Ulster never approached me. The, the first time Ulster approached me, and I'll be absolutely honest, because so many people have asked me this for years, they approached me two years ago, and that was the first time they, uh, they approached me. And it was definitely not the right time for me to go home, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, because I've been away for so long. And uh, extra Chiefs, there was so much more going to happen with Chiefs, and I wasn't going to be going. Um, but that was the first time I'd ever had any approach from any um, club back home. So um, for me, for getting selection for Ireland was never going to happen, unfortunately, because there just seemed to be a blinkered view on the fact that we were across the water and we just weren't forgotten about sort of a little bit. So as much as uh, Craig Doyle would campaign a lot for me on BT Sport and all that, he did say to me, I'm going to get you an Irish cap. Fair play to him. He did his best job, but it, it wasn't the be for me. But again, that's not on the, at the end of the day, I came over to England and I didn't perform until I probably was in England. Do you know what I mean? Um, I might have been a little bit just expecting it to happen a little bit. I had to go a different route. You know, you're talking about winning trophies and stuff. I wasn't winning trophies and stuff until I was in my 30s. You know, so maybe I just picked at a different time. Um, mm. So that's another way of looking at it. But in terms of international selection, I, I generally do believe that the best players should be playing for their country, no matter where they play. You know, um, and I think that's just something that maybe potentially can review. Now, I understand the situation. I understand that you have to look at It's easier to... Um, look after players when they're at home and it's easier to look after players closer to the club. It's the same with the English whenever it comes to not allowing them to go and play in France or whatever. I, under, I get that. Um, but at the same time, it'd be great to see national teams playing, in my opinion, their best, best team. Because, But again, you've got to understand too, international coaches, they've probably got a specific way they want to play and they're going to pick to that. You know, Because I definitely believe that if you look at England, for instance, they play with very big forward pack. But if you look at the Chiefs forward packs, if you take Joe Sim or you take um, Sam Simmons as an example and Billy Volopolo, but if you want a big number eight, well, Sam Simmons is not your man. So you kind of have to understand what the international coach is looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ian? Well, you've got to say with Ulster, you know, first of all, you know, I was grateful that. that Ulster gave me the first opportunity to play professional rugby and I'll always be very, very grateful to them for that, you know. Especially, you know, the coach that got at home in like Dokey, uh, Charlie McAleese at Ballon Hinch, I mean Suff as well. Guys like that that coached me, I mean that was um invaluable to me, like, you know, going forward to be able to play professional rugby. But it it got a wee bit like it got to the stage where I was uh Squad player, like you know, I, I was I wasn't really playing the big matches. It was Cavey and and Paddy Wallace, and and they had Nevin was coming through, and and Luke Marshall was coming through. So I mean, Ulster have always had good centres. I mean, Stuart McCluskey, nobody had heard of him at that point, but he was going to come through too. I mean, Ulster have always had good centres, and I just felt that it got to the stage where, um. I needed to see myself in my career if I could be more than a squad player, and that wasn't going to happen with Ulster, you know. And, and you know, 
I didn't know much about English rugby. I certainly didn't know much about the southwest England because I've never been there. But um, it was, <laughs> it, well, I lucked out. Like you know, I, jo- I joined a great club and mm. improved. Then again, like Steno said, as I got older, I got better, and um, you know, you know, the rest of it is we've become double champions. I mean, that that's fantastic way for it to go. Um, as regards Ireland, uh, again, is the same thing as Ulster. You look at the Irish centres. I mean, when I left, it was Darcy and O'Driscoll. And then there was Henshaw and Ringrose. Uh, and, you know, you still had all those boys at Ulster. Um, Keith Earls could play centre. He's a great player. You know, um, then the Bondiaki coming through. Chris Farrell's done brilliantly. I played with him at Ulster. One of the last games was... But I was 12 and Chris Farrell was 13, and then we both left. And to see, you know, again, he left and got better, and he was lucky enough to come back and play for Ireland. You know, that's a good story for him. But I never, I never looked, I never, I never, I never thought Ireland should pick me, you know, and I was just glad, to be honest. I was grateful to be playing so well, Dexter, doing so well, and Dexter, the club, doing well as well. So, I never looked over the water and thought, oh, I could be wearing green. I didn't think yeah, like that. Yeah. No, uh, but <laughs> at the same time, I always thought for Steno, I looked across the water and went, oh, well, of Johnny Sexton. And for a while there, you know, it was anybody's guess who Johnny Sexton's number two was. And I always thought, well, why couldn't it have been him? You know what I mean? Uh, so I think more for him than myself. I looked across and went, well, you know, you're scratching around a wee bit. Why don't you? Why don't you look outside Ireland? You know, it's not. It's not. I think. I think, I think that's a fair point. That yeah, Ireland have been been so dependent on Johnny Sexton for probably too many years now, and and as you say now we're scratching to try and find a ten to fill his bits because he's not. He's not going to be at the next World Cup. He just isn't. And uh, but yeah, he seems to be the first team, you know name on the team sheet, and he's the the the, the national captain. For how long? You know, we've got to get a ten in there, and that person's got to be up and running at full speed by the next World Cup, or we are not going any further than we've gone before. It's as simple as that. Um, Steno, with the tens that you've been looking at in Ireland, what what's your thoughts been? I mean, obviously we've got a lot of young lads coming through. Uh, we've got two burn lads in Leinster, and most of the Leinster fans seem more excited about the younger one than the the older. Uh, I personally think Billy Burns could have a lot to offer Ireland just in the way he plays, but I don't know if that suits the national game plan. But he's got a great range of passes, nice range of kicks. You know, uh, for me, he, he can open up a defence. He did it on Saturday, but he, he frankly did something that they should have done you know, maybe 30 minutes earlier or 40 minutes earlier because the space was there. Um, and then you've got young lads coming through at Leinster and Munster. You've got that lad, Daly, at uh, monster who looks exciting. We've got, I don't know if you know any of the youngsters, Ulster, because you've probably been away that long. <laughs> I don't have a clue who they are, some of them. So, you know, like, uh, well, you know, we, we, the young lad playing fullback for Ulster, Mike Larry, um, who I think is a hugely exciting player, but he is actually a 10. Um, I think the reason he plays 15 is just he's, he's deemed just too good to leave out of the team. So, they're trying to shove him into 15 because we've got, you know, the, the players we've got. Um, and, and another thing, just do you think, if you look at 
three years ago when Ulster had a pretty ruthless clear out and I think most people agreed that needed to happen and they now rotate their squad they bring through their academy players they're not relying on so many foreign signings does it ever think you know does it ever come across your mind it would have been like that back when I was playing I might still but still be there does that ever cross your mind not overly, no. It's different timing when I came through. Like I, like I said, I came through whenever, you know, arguably one of the greatest fly halves ever played for Ulster. And David Humphreys, yeah. you know, was there. Paddy Wallace was there. You know, we had some crop of tens whenever I was coming through. Mm-hmm. So um, to be trying to break through at that stage, I probably, when I was coming through, was there either two years too early or two years too late, whatever way you mm-hmm. want to look at it. Um but in terms of the guys that are coming through now, like obviously Mike Laurie looks really good. Um, all I've seen him is, is literally a fullback. Um, and, you know, for his development to play in a different position, knowing what you know as a 10, he's going to de- develop this game hugely from playing in that position. So that's really yeah. good for Ulster going yeah. forward. He's going to have looked at the game from a, a different dynamic. So we'll have seen the game because you get more time at fullback. So we'll have a more better understanding of game management potentially. Um, you know, and the fellas like Billy Burns as well coming in. He's obviously a fella who, who's done the exact opposite of me and Ian have done. He's probably flourished since he's uh, left England and went over across the water. So hmm. he's yeah. around. Um, and now that he's got his himself international cap, uh, he's obviously going to. Um, you know, feel a bit more confident about things. And, you know, if you look at the, the Irish 10s that are coming through, like Joey Cobbery is obviously a very talented player. Just need to get him fit. Um, you know, and I think Ross Byrne as well um, has done well for Leinster when he's had to play. Um, you know, when he did get in and play ahead of Johnny Sexton for those, you know, for that Pro 14 final. So there's definitely 10s. And I know there's a couple in Connacht, uh, which I'm quite aware of, like Jack Carty. And I know there's another, another one, which I don't know off the top of my head, um, there's a fella back home who looks after these guys and he's always talking about him. I can't think who he is, and he's one to watch. I think he's only like 20 years old, maybe mm. just about Irish under 20s. But you'll probably know him better than me, whatever his name is. But apparently, he's meant to be very good. This unknown guy, but uh, listen, um, no, there's definitely guys coming through. I think you're right, um, Johnny getting there to the next World Cup. I think it's time that um, it'll be good to start. Seeing fellas being given the opportunity to play in the international jersey, and have, have Johnny there. Like, there's no reason why Johnny couldn't sit on the bench or, you know, be that sort of older sort of influence and character. <laughs> yeah. I always looked at Charlie Hodgson um, whenever I was playing. Charlie Hodgson did that for Owen Farrell unbelievably well when he was at Saracens. You know, so mm-hmm. that would be something, and it's something I've tried to do as I've got older a little bit with uh, Joe and a couple of our 10. So just giving a bit more experience to the lads because let's face it, we're not going to be here forever. So, um, you know, it'd be good if, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he did even at the weekend pass on as much knowledge as he could going into that game against England. Mm-hmm. Well, like before we, before we pass and look at the sort of the future side of things, I'm just going to go through a couple of the comments that are, uh, the, the folks watching me going, uh, first of all, Dermot O'Rourke. Uh, Dermot, good evening to you, sir. How are you? Uh, congratulations, Ian and Gareth. Uh, um, for some strange reason, uh, looks like my mum's got in there as well. Uh, my mum, Jane, good luck. Great show so far. Uh, Joe Lyons, this is a great one. Uh, it's not about picking the individual best 15, uh, but the best team of 15. You know, certainly, you know, going on, on what you were saying earlier, uh, uh, lads. Uh, and, and again, 
Um, you know, Joe goes on to say there's quite a few players that didn't get caps that skill wise probably were much better than the than you know the the fellas making the team. Um, and uh, and you know, you know, certainly like people like Charlie Hodgson, you know, to me, Charlie should have you know should have featured a, a lot more often you know than he than he actually did for England. And I think that's you know it's 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 one of those things. It's it's trying to trying to match up with whatever national plans being followed at the time. Uh, Gregor Galway uh, says, uh, great servants, these two, are, their stories are something else. I would agree with that, absolutely. You know, looking at uh, where things have gone from uh, uh, from RSA and, and Wallace up to Premiership and Hainos, you know, you, you couldn't ask for better than that. Um, it's, funny, it's, funny, it's funny that the same year we won the double, Wallace and the Royal School there shared the school's cup. Like, it's funny. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was a Ballyclare High School guy. Man, guys, we didn't, we didn't want one of them. It's all right. I went to Batora and uh, uh, do it in the first year. Oh, I remember I was Methody and we just said, nah. Yeah. I remember uh, Medallion Shield year, I think it was. We knocked BRA out. That was our victory. For, that was our big one. That was it. We've won. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, but uh, uh, well, like uh, looking at the future um, uh, and sort of looking forward. Uh, first of all, Gareth, I want to ask you just b- before I ask about the provincial and test levels for Ireland. How have you managed to to morph from uh, you know from a record point scorer right through to to being the kicking coach now? Uh, uh, I'd say you probably undertook a wee bit of uh, uh, sort of wee bit of coaching before you know before you took over there. Uh, uh, you know, can you give us an idea? Of, you know, what sort of uh, what sort of preparation you had, you know, to to, to go into the new role? Uh, honestly, not a lot. Um, I went off last year um, and went coached at Plymouth. Literally once a week, I go down and run the backs. Really, only because one of my mates asked me to go and do it. I've seen it as an opportunity going forward. But in terms of uh, my role, um, you know, I sat down with Rob. Literally, when we had come back to start pre-season trade, well. It was the middle of July when we came out of the COVID into our first stages of coming. And um, when we had said that, he said to me that I want you to purely concentrate on being a player because we need you at your absolute best. We'll worry about coaching whenever it comes, whenever that day comes, that first day, and we'll get you up to speed. Um, you know, so in terms of that, I've done all, I've done levels of coaching, you know, years and years ago, but, um, but I've kind of been doing like a sort of like a, as the younger guys have come through, you've kind of just naturally been sort of given experience over to the guys anyway. So it hasn't really changed an awful lot what I was doing. It's not like, it's kind of weird because at the end of the last, you know, 10 games, I've always felt like my position was the second choice 10. So I kind of knew that where I was going to be in the 23. So I was always kind of prepping slightly um, to be finishing, if you know what I mean. So, um, it, it was an easier way for me to get my head around the whole thing. Um, I think if I had been the starting guy playing every week and then all of a sudden being told, right, that's, you know, you play in that premiership final and then you're done. See you in two weeks, you're a kicking coach. I think that would have been really quite difficult. Um, so I've been mentally prepping myself for, you know, for quite a while now. And I've really enjoyed it. I've been in it now for a couple of weeks. Um, sitting up, watching the guys playing against Quinns the other night. I had absolutely no desire to be in the field. I really enjoyed putting the coaches and listening to what they really say and what they really think, um, which I'm sure Ian would love to know, but he won't know. 
And, uh, <laughs> so definitely, definitely a different experience, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, this next step that I'm in. Oh, brilliant. You know, I, you know, it's, I have to admit now, you know, um, when, when I found out, uh, uh, I found out, you know, that you were becoming a kicking coach, I thought, okay, well, you know, it's, it's great to see a bit of natural progression, even if it is from the playing side into the, uh, you know, into the into the coaching lineup. And I do believe, and I think we may have to get a few sheep ready for you, uh, from, from what I've heard. Um, you know, uh, uh, What's it, what's it say here? What's it say here about the, the the council trying to give you the freedom of the city? Yeah, so I got approached about uh, the week after the final. Um, I got a message, an email from uh, the local council. I thought I'd maybe broken rules or something in lockdown or something silly like that, and they were coming for me. But uh, no, they were asking if I'd like to uh, if they could nominate me for the freedom of the city. So. Uh, Obviously, I jumped at the opportunity and said, well, yeah, um, but I'm, I've been nominated. So I'm waiting to hear. We find out next week. And then if, if, I, if I get it, I get the opportunity to drive sheep, apparently, down the high street. So, uh, yeah. So you'll be, you'll be driving them through. You'll get you'll get nine out of ten for the... For the drive, and then a wee, a wee ten out of ten for the pen. If you just uh, if you if you if you just pop it in the right and uh, in, in the right spot, and the, just just just, and just, 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 just to be quick, one day, Ian, just have to know. See now, he's poacher turned gamekeeper. Has he changed towards you, or is he still the same? That's <laughs> funny. Like um, the first day we were back in, I walked past the coach's office, and he was sitting in there, and I just. I was in to go and talk to him about something, and then I realised, oh crap, I'm in the coach's office here. And he's like, yeah, the Northern Ireland football game. He came in to talk to me about, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. It's going in the to- I was going in to say to him, "Oh, come round to yours for the football match." And then I was like, "Oh, Alan Robs here. Better just back out." <laughs> was he just sitting there going, "Can I, can I? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I could just imagine the face. <laughs> um, well, like, uh, well, like, lads. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Just, um, what do you think? Uh, what do you feel about the future uh, of Irish rugby, both at the provincial and Test levels? Um, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked somewhat about you know new players coming through. Um, you know, where do you think? Uh, where do you think? Where do you think? Both provincially and from a Test point, where where do you think we're going to end up? You know, by the time we get round to the World Cup. Uh, well, the thing I would like to see for Ulster, and it comes back from me, you know, having the opportunity to, to play professional rugby. I think Ulster, ultimately, if they want to be successful over a long period of time, you look at the extra team, the spine of the teams from the southwest. You know, you've contacted Hooker. You have, yeah. seven, you have Dave Ewers who grew up in the Southwest. You have both Simmons brothers. You've you've Slade. You've Noel. You know the spine of that team. The are really, you know, big name players on it are all from the Southwest. Yeah, and it would be nice for Ulster if they could get a spine of their team all from Ulster. And and it's always I think everybody at home always wants to see more guys from Ulster getting the opportunity and coming through and, and playing for Ulster. And I think if Ulster's, you know, looking long-term, mm-hmm. it, it's it's getting harder and harder with the rules and stuff around project players and stuff like that 
to engineer success or buy success. I think they've got to look at their young, your young, their, their young players and the, the clubs and the schools and try and improve things that way. And you know, it'll not get you a good team straight away, but you know, you give these guys an opportunity like like I had. Um, and in a way, like you know, the Ulster Academy, I'm sure was was good for Steno's development a wee bit. Like you know, you got to give guys the opportunity to play professional rugby, and I, I hope, I just hope that in Ulster, they're aware of that, you know, and they're thinking about that because that's ultimately, I I know I don't if I speak for all Ulster fans or not, but if I as a fan of Ulster, which I will be in the future, I'd just like to see Ulster players playing for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Right, Gareth, what do you think yourself? Not very similar to Ian. You know, I'd love to see the uh, the development of guys coming through. You know, uh, it's the same wherever you go. I think any club would say the same. But you know, you know, me and Ian both grew up at home. We both wanted to represent Ulster. Ian got the opportunity to do it. I unfortunately didn't. But um, you know, I, every time I got to go up and train, like even in the Ulster Academy, it was a it, it was my dreams such to try and get into the Ulster Academy and then it was to go and play and I remember being called up and training with the devout with the, the senior squad and how, how important it is. And I think it's what you really love to see is, you know, every well, every time you sing stand up for the Ulsterman, it's gonna be Ulsterman in the field. And I think if you can get back to those days whenever that's what it was, you know, it would be fantastic. But it is a different era we live in and uh it is obviously difficult but Look, if it's about developing young players and talent, and there's plenty of people back home in Ulster who want to wear the jersey, so I'm sure there's uh, plenty of ones working hard to try and make that happen. I agree with that. I think, I think what people forget, though, in uh, 17, 18, when, I mean, at the end of the season, Ulster had, well, released 16 players in one go, and then they released four more uh, between the start of the season and Christmas. And you, you know, there's no province or area has 20, you know, professional level players just kicking around that they can throw into the team. And I think that's when we got the big influx of, shall we say, not surplus players, but players that weren't getting opportunities at Leinster, for example. Because we do have a lot of those. And in fairness, they play they play for the team. But I think that I think people forget that's where that came from. Uh, you know, Leinster have got a bit of a production line going at the minute, and they can't give quality game time to the players, all the players they've got. So there was a big hole in the Ulster playing group and that was an opportunity. But I think going forward, you're absolutely right. Because I think the, the Ulster Academy are starting to produce now. We see the Academy contracts offered this year, last year. I mean, they're into double figures now. Where, you know, you didn't see that in previous years. Um, the question I, I wonder is, so now that Ulster are producing good Academy prospects, Munster seem to be bringing a couple of good young kids along as well. I mean, they just come out of the blue, these guys, and bang, they're in the team. Connett as well. What will, what will the likes of Leinster do with this line of players that they're just producing every season? There's going to there's going to come a place where you know they've they've nowhere to go on the island, and are we going to then go back to where they go to England? You know, uh, it's a strange one. Um, but yeah, I think you're totally right. There's no doubt about it. Ulster fans would love to see a team that's filled with Ulster players, and uh, I think it I think it it goes in generations, and hopefully Ulster have a golden generation coming. Yeah, I think I think um, I think I don't. I've never been coached by him. I've only met him a couple of times when I was was playing Ireland Day, and that's a long time ago. Um, but I think I think Dan McFarlane must be a good coach 
Uh, I think that Ulster have definitely, definitely improved since he's been head coach. Mm-hmm. And, um, hopefully, you know, whatever he's doing, he can keep knocking it on. Uh, I, I do think there's a lot of improvements in Ulster in the last couple of years since you, like you said, those boys has all left, you know, since they had to release all, or get rid of all those players, I think. You know, the last couple of years I've seen some 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 good progress. I actually, I don't watch that many of their games because I don't. The TV just doesn't work out over here. I used to watch all the time as in BBC, but now can't get the games. Like, but a couple of games I've seen. You know, I think Jared Payne's doing a good job. The defence as well. Obviously, played with him too. And I know that he will have a good few ideas around that as well. Like, so I I do think the the future looks looks brighter for them they just have to you know keep it going the, the whole thing with ulster is it looks good for a while and then all of a sudden it blows up so hopefully they can just keep it going this time well, well Ian, just just now i'm, I'm thinking about you know uh, you know we've talked a lot about you know rugby and playing rugby and being that but um what about uh have you any interest outside of outside of rugby you know you know like well, we know gary's pretty busy with with a lot of interest outside outside of the game, but uh, what about yourself? What do you what do you do to chillax and? Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've apart uh, from takeaways and diggers, I've, of course. I have a three year old son and two one year old uh, twins, so I uh, don't have much free time. The free time <laughs> spent up thinking, no, oh, what will I do to entertain them all day? You know, um, my son is not like mad loves trains so a lot of the time we just end up going to the train station to see a train like you know <laughs> it's uh, not very exciting but i have to you know it's not <laughs> after the kids the mad, like it's, i had he makes a thomas a tank engine and uh, mickey mouse clubhouse <laughs> that's pretty much it like yeah thomas the tank engine farm, farm the works like you know it's it's good fun though it is good fun it means that um the days in between rugby matches go very quickly. Yeah. Best year, best years to me, enjoy them. <laughs> uh, going great about it. Well. Uh, so. uh, what about yourself? Yeah, Steve, you, I, 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 yeah. just, just sorry for butting in there, Dave, but Steve, how's the business going? I mean, have you been affected much, very badly, by this COVID? I mean, because the Southwest, if I'm not mistaken, has the lowest COVID incidents, doesn't it, in the UK? Yeah, it does, like, but at the same time, we still got to hear to all the rules, you know. So, actually, mm-hmm. when I locked down uh, in March, we were in the most we had, we were only two years we were only two years old recently there, but we uh, just got ourselves established as the, one of the main places for live music with a new menu coming out, you know, with the Six Nations was on. We were booming, and then it got locked down, and yes, it was difficult over the summer, but. It's like anything, uh, we it was out of our complete control. Uh, we got back, we got a bit more momentum back. We adhered to all the rules. We jumped through all the hoops that you had to jump through, and then uh, bang, we were locked down again there about three weeks ago. So it's just constantly trying to work out what the next step is. All being well, we'll be open up again next Wednesday. You know, people are already asking about getting tables booked for Christmas dinner, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. traditionally, this is the busiest time of the year for us. The other good thing is. Live sport is coming back, and as much as it's not great that we can't have people in, now it looks like we are going to be getting people in, maybe about four thousand, maybe potentially, depending what group, what 
tier we're in at Sandy Park, but um, we're not going to have a full house, which means there is going to have to be somewhere where they want to go and watch it. And traditionally, definitely for the last, every single Chief game that we've had since we started back, we've been completely full. When I say completely full, at 50% capacity, but still full as yeah. we can be. So, um, look, there's a desire for people to come and watch at our pace, which is great. And hopefully, you know, when we come out of the next lockdown, we'll have the same thing. And and looking at what Ian Gilbert just said there, Gareth must also be studying sheep management. <laughs> no, no, no. I come from uh, my grandfather was a sh- uh, 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 from cows, so that's where I was doing that when I was a kid. So, and sheep is nothing that I know nothing about sheep. Like, but I <laughs> Uh, crash course required by the sound of it anyway if, if, if next week goes well, you know? Rob, Rob Baxter's uh, brother Richie who used to play for the club he's the man who provides the, sh- the sheep so uh, <laughs> Richie lay around them and carry them down I just walk behind them or something I don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh dear hey, uh, like, you know, I, I think uh, I think it's a it's a case of um, you know I'm I'm looking now obviously at where things are going to go in the future like for your, for your, for both of you you know um, you know, what do you what do you want to see or what what do you want what, what do you want to happen now sort of in the next couple of years um, you know uh, obviously you know both of them I'm sure will will stay at Exeter for some time to come uh, Ian what what do you want to see happening now you know in the next couple of years uh, with yourself. Well, I'll probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood that the, the body holds up and I've, I've a couple more years left playing. I've a couple more years left in my contract. So um, I just want to play as much as I can. I've always just enjoyed playing the game. So, and to be honest with you, my only goal really coming over to extra was to play. Now, I'm lucky that the team's done well in those games. It's been big games, but. You know, I just want to be involved yeah, in the team as much as I can because that's what I enjoy. I enjoy, I enjoy playing rugby. It's not going to be easier as easy the older I get to stay in the team, but that'll be the goal. Mm-hmm. Go as hard as I can for as long as I've got left and hopefully be involved in a successful extra team. Uh, Gareth, uh, what do you want? What do you want to say? It's it's now that I've achieved the stuff in the game on the playing side. I want to go and achieve it now as a coach. So <laughs> you know, I want to, you know, my goals now shifted. Now, obviously, the same as what Ian's saying. He wants to go and achieve everything he can. Now, I'm starting starting almost you could say fresh again, something completely brand new. And I just want to go off and like be a double champion as a coach. So whether that's in the kicking, uh, kicking coach or whether I can make the steps up the ladder to potentially be in a box assistant coach all these things mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's for me in the future but that's something you know hopefully um, i'm very much at the bottom looking to go up again but that, that's something you're starting quite young though so you've got you know, you know what i mean you can climb up that ladder well that's quite nice to hear you say quite young because i'm used to being told i'm the old guy in the changing room so that's quite nice. i would just say that's because you were a player then <laughs> 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 but here it's hard to predict the future it's like the old joke said if somebody had said to you in 2015 where do you see yourself in five years this wouldn't have been your answer no, it's maybe it might have been back home working from a brother oh right, right, right. good 
Who thought to see you? Who thought we'd see you pushing sheep around the city centre? And hasn't happened yet, so we'll have to wait and see. I think that has to happen. There'd be an absolute crowd that doesn't happen. Actually, I always it's funny. Anytime I go on holiday abroad, and quite often we'd run into Chiefs fans. You know, they hear the Ulster accent, and they must assume this place is about three streets long, and everybody knows each other. You know, because they go, oh, do you know Carl Stainson? Do you know Ian Whitten? Well, no, not personally. I don't know who they are, obviously. You know. But these are household names in that city. You really are. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that, but you really are. And people talk about you. When they hear, you know, rugby fans abroad and they hear your accent and they don't even know if you're a rugby fan, although I tend to wear shirts and stuff and they're, and they're talking about you two guys, you know. Uh, all good. I might add, all good. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Uh, <laughs> I was worried. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like that's like we've, we've reached the end of the show now, say, and uh, and you know, we want to thank uh, both of you for for taking the time out to come on and yeah. and have a, a natter about all things Ulster, Ireland, Exeter, and sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, on the end, then uh, some sometime I think uh, I think it was uh, Joe Lyons uh, said, uh, "Next time you're in the coach's room, just stand behind them and shout mint sauce." <laughs> I really, really do appreciate you taking the time to come on and speak to us and, and uh, fans and that. It, your story is fantastic. It's been a long one, but by God, you got there. Absolutely. Brilliant. And uh, Gareth, best of luck in the coaching. I have no doubt you'll be as good at that as you were with the tea and in the field. And Ian, just hope you can keep it kicking for two years and we see plenty of you. Uh, well, hope so. Last weekend, so. Expect to keep that going, mate. Expect to keep that going. Well, thank uh, you. Hopefully, hopefully, we can get a chappy again sometime, guys, and uh, maybe get an update on where he's going. Uh, because your two journeys are different now, and that's that's very interesting, I think, to fans as well. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you know how he's doing. Hi, that's it. You keep him radiant. You don't like to come and play golf running with me anymore. <laughs> uh, I know, like, really? sad day, sad day. Oh, for goodness sake. I see he's gone up there now, mate. So nice. He's with the big dogs now. <laughs> One last comment from Gregor there. Great show, guys, and uh, keep standing up for the Ulster man from home. You know. Well, look, thank you very much, everybody, for watching us. Uh, this has been uh, White Walkers Chat and Crack, an absolute cracker of a show. Uh, we will be back soon and uh, uh, say if you want any more information or if you want any more information about Paul Handley, say, uh, please uh, look at the website. We'll we'll get those links up uh, after the show. But uh, for now, uh, thank you very much, Ian. Cheers, thank you very much, Gareth. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. As always, right, Nick, a pleasure. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Brilliant to talk to you. Appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Good evening. Have a good night. All the best.